Joel Bein, Joel Beinstein. I don't know. I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to play. I like to play with people's names. I've never really come up with a good nickname for you. Did you ever have one? Well, my ninth grade biology teacher called me Beinstein. Well, there you go. See, I'm in but, good company. And then Biner, Biner was a good one when I was okay. in high school baseball. All right. Well, we now we can call you. Uh, let's see. I don't know the finisher. I don't know because you here. Can this this is our horribly cheesy segue into the uh, the topic today? You published a book, and you set a goal for yourself that you're going to publish a book, and you you it sounds to me, and I want to get into this like you made making good on that goal the number one thing over over anything else over well the book isn't really the book that i ultimately want to publish it's not the because i didn't get a feeling from this book that this is like this is my masterwork it's more like i needed to get over the hump get over the embarrassment of putting my stuff out there and publish a freaking book is that right is that fair yeah that's accurate it was very meta where throughout the process i mean it's a book so it's more concrete than a blog post I want to put some polish into it and some preparation into it and some thoroughness into it. But at the same time, I kept asking myself, am I going to walk the walk with what I'm driving home in this book, which is have a bias towards completion, finishing and move (laughs) through any of that self-talk that says I need to do this and that before it's ready. So yeah, it's not my magnum opus. It's maybe it's, it's the first step. And I'm very aware of this, uh, through my creative growth, the past few years, I've really gotten to know this process of moving through, moving through that initial stage and the value of sucking at first, right? You listen to anyone's first podcast, listen to you, you read someone's first blog posts, uh, you compare that to their later work once they're well known or whatnot. It's it's much different. But if you have that courage to just drive through and ship and complete and become comfortable with being uncomfortable, then you're going to build the muscle. And then maybe my third or fourth book will be really good. But I'm not going to get to that point if I don't start. And same with I like to say as a, as a musician, I like to say that. You know, even Mozart, who is supposedly this genius, no one really cares about his first symphony. His most famous symphonies are his last three symphonies. Uh, it's just the, it's just how the creative process works. And so, but even if you never do more than your first book, like anyone who's looking to create something, the point of this book is go for it and don't regret not doing it, you know? Yeah, you know... Uh... The, the, the perfect first blog post, the perfect first song, the perfect first movie um, is the one that you'll never see because it lives in somebody's head who never actually produced it, right? Like, like yeah. to get that first one out there, it's not going to be perfect. Yeah, it's funny. If you write a book on the topic of, um, you know, ship it and don't let perfection get in the way. I feel like you almost have to have a typo in there. Otherwise you'll be a hypocrite. (laughs) I didn't, I didn't go that far to make sure there was a typo, but I do, I do think the book is not, I do feel that it's flawed. Uh, I remember proofreading it before I, I pressed the, the actual publish button and my gut was like, yeah, I don't know that, that chapter seems out of place or like, are people going to get this? Does this have a good flow to it? Narrative? Is it cohesive? And then it's like, nope, doesn't matter that if people, if people think it's flawed, that's actually going to increase the value of the message. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and there's something at least with the way my brain works that like, I can't actually get a somewhat objective sense for what's weak about my writing or my creation until it's not in draft form, until it's actually out there. And then it's a real live product. And then sure, maybe it's too late to to fix that product, but that's when I can really learn from what I would do differently next time. When it's still in draft form, 
for some reason, I'm like this even with blog posts. It's like, I usually click publish, I just write it, click publish without even a single proofread. And then I read it as a published post. And if I notice anything that's embarrassing that I want to edit, then I click edit because something about seeing it in that finished format helps me see it differently. So it's like, get it out the door, get that first book out there. And all the things, the whole process, there's so many things you learn from like, oh, I wouldn't format it this way, or I would do, I would do a different cover design, or oh, I, I think the size needs to be, even just the details, the publishing process, the, you're gonna, you're gonna be learning and doing things awkwardly the first time. So just get it out the door, get those reps on your belt. Okay, so I should, I meant to have the book with me, but I, I had it at my home office and I'm not at the home office today. Do you have a, a copy you can hold up for those who are watching on yeah. YouTube? Do It Now, A Finished Book by Joel Bine. I love it. I mean, I love the simplicity of just, and it's a, I love small books, especially nonfiction. I'm of the opinion that like 90% of nonfiction books are at least three times longer than they need <laughs> to be. And it's great. I mean, it's a short little, and it's just so simple. Do It Now, A Finished Book, um, which is interesting because it sort of conveys what the book is about, what it's encouraging others to do, but it's also conveying your personal, like, I finished this book, right? Like I did it, uh, which I love. So tell me, tell me about what made you decide to do this book, the process of writing it, and then what's in the book, sort of those three things. And then I want to, after that, I want to go backwards and learn more about, you know, you, your story and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, it was in the back of my mind, sort of in 2021, to write a book because I've written now 500 plus blog posts and, you know, I've learned from you that there's a lot of power in compiling a book through just going through your blog posts. And that was kind of in the back of my mind, back burner type thing. And then I read this book by Derek Sivers called how to live that he published last year. And that's, he actually calls that his magnum opus masterpiece type book. It's incredible. And he's a, a he's a great writer, by the way. Yeah. Another guy that he writes short, but he doesn't write too many unnecessary words. He just gets to the point. Yeah, he's really influenced me in that minimalist way for sure in my writing. Uh, and so he has a book, a, a chapter in the book called, uh, well, it's about creativity. And there's a little section in there, and I'll read it right now. When most people see modern art, they think, I could do that but they didn't. That is the difference between consumer and creator. <laughs> and I read that. I'm sitting on my couch and I like jumped up. Like it was like, whoa, it was, like, it was a spark of inspiration. And I was in that moment, I decided to write a book, to write this book. Uh, and it was going to be about this. It was very meta again, going to be about that exact concept. And so the passage I just read, I put in the dedication to this book to Derek Sivers. And that's the spirit of everything. Um, where the, the emphasis, this idea of the creative process being more than the vision you have and even the execution of it, but rather that lap, but also that last step of putting yourself out there, right? Cause you, if you think of modern art and you might think of like a, a, a blank canvas with a one little red dot on it in the museum, it's like, well, I could do that. Anyone could do that, right? It's not that great. But the thing is, it's great because the person had the gumption and the audacity and the vulnerability to do it and actually be, be that person. And so that's what I'm seeking to emphasize. So that really activated me um, to, to just do the thing. Like, let's not like make this a someday maybe idea anymore. Let's do it now. Uh, and so I uh, just kind of jumped up and created a Word document and started pulling some of my old blog posts, probably half of these are from my old blog posts or repurposed blog posts. And then, and then every day for a couple of weeks, I was just writing some new, new chapters. And then probably within, yeah, within 10, 14 days, the manuscript was done. And then I just kind of started tweaking it and um, playing with the order of it and the order of the chapters. And then I was like, all right, let's, let's figure out how to publish this. And I was, I was, I was doing a little bit of poking around. I was, watching some videos from Tucker Max from his company, Scribe Media, which is teaching people how to self-publish. And I was like, all right, this is nice and thorough, but 
I was just looking for how do I finish this? And then I, I asked you like, how, what's the most frictionless way to <laughs> publish a book? And you're like Amazon KDP. So then I just hopped on there and just try, try to get it out the door as fast as possible. There's a little bit of friction with figuring out the format and the size of the cover and um, getting the, the Word document lined up properly and stuff like that. And then eventually just shipped it. I mean, I didn't even ask for feedback. I didn't get any, none of my friends got to see it or I didn't get any um, revisions, proofreading feedback on it because I mean, maybe I was telling my friend about this and she, she said, maybe, maybe there was some fear there. there. I'm like, well, maybe, but I was a conscious choice because I just didn't want the friction of getting feedback and deciding yeah. was I going to implement that? And that was, it was, it was sort of a playful experience of I'm just going to do this like on the side and no one's even going to know about it. <laughs> Dude, and I, and I know, like, just from knowing your personality, the type of guy you are, you're, you're thorough, you pay attention to detail, you're systematic. And so for you, you're not the type who's overly impetuous and who needs to slow down and get more input. I mean, that's, that's not what you need. You're good at that kind of part. So for you, like saying, I'm going to choose not to. I'm not going to have anybody proofread it. I'm not going to send it around and say, hey, take a look at this. I'm about to publish it. Give me your thoughts. I'm not going to go seek that validation to feel a little better before I publish it or make sure it's not embarrassing or say, Hey, does this really, does the title, do you like the title? Hey, which one of these covers do you like? I'm not even going to say I'm about to publish a book to get that kind of endorphin rush of people saying, Oh, good for you. Before you actually, you just like quiet. I mean, you, we work together at crash <laughs> and we chat every day and you're writing the daily job hunt and you're putting out content. that's very relevant to the content in your book, all the similar mindset type stuff. And all of a sudden I see in like a LinkedIn post and I'm, I'm rarely on LinkedIn. Like you're like, Hey, I published my first book and I message you. I'm like, what the <laughs> heck? What, what is going on here? You got to promote this thing, man. Put it in the daily job. Hunt. Why do you tell me? So, you know, I, but I, but I actually love that. It's, it's a great experience to be surprised and delighted by someone who has just completed something. And that's the whole vision of this book too. It's like, it's shipped. It's not talked about, it's not planned, it's not strategized, it's not a future goal, it's a done thing. I shipped a book and it's like, I think it's just beautiful that it, you didn't even talk about it to anybody until you shipped it because it just goes right along with the thing. It's like, get it done, get it out the door, right? Now you have a book under your belt. Now the next time, if you want to be more strategic about this and that, if you want to you know, do a whole campaign for launch and get people to sign up for early release copies and all this kind of stuff, you know, it's all there. But now you've done the hard part. You've actually finished a book and clicked publish. Now you've leveled up. You're, you're a superhero now, really. You know, like what I was going to look up before this, what percentage of people in the world have ever published a book? Whatever it is, it's not very many, right? You're, you're, in, a, you're in a different class now. And I bet the percentage of people that have published a book, I bet almost all of them, once they've published one, have published multiple books, right? Like it's like once you do it, now you're, now you're that, you know, now you're a creator and you, you like it, you get hooked on it. So um, tell me about the content of the book. I mean, I, I read it. I read the whole thing, which was awesome because it was a quick read. Uh, it's just a bunch of great stuff. But how would you describe to somebody who, who hasn't picked it up, hasn't read it? Maybe they want to. I would recommend it. Go, it's a few bucks. Go pick it up. It's great. And it, just like, if this book doesn't inspire you by showing you, hey, you can publish a book, put your thoughts down and publish it just for that act of like getting it done. Uh, I don't know what will, but what can people expect? What's in it? And, and how did you choose what to put in there? Because you're a guy with a ton of interest. You've written about a lot of stuff. What's in this book and why that stuff? First and foremost, it was just me wanting to say what I wanted to say. It was a book for me. Like this is, this is the representation of my authentic self in many, many ways. And I wanted to write it. And so I wrote it. And then anyone who finds value in it, great. Uh, and so there's also themes to it. I mean, there's the theme of what we've already been talking about, the shipping bias. And then there's also the theme of motivation and getting in touch with what you truly desire, what you truly want, and your intrinsic motivation, which is a, a big passion of mine. And you know, what drives me is I want to see a world that people are you know, alive and, and following their bliss and operating from that. 
that place of, of self-leadership of internal motivation. So like I have a, I have a section, a chapter called school versus education. And there's just two, this little, it's almost like a poem, there's little couplets where it's like, it starts school sucks, education is bliss. School is compulsory, education is voluntary. School is about work, education is about play, et cetera. And so it's sort of inviting you to think about when you're doing whatever you want to do, what's your why, what motivates you, and are you excited about it? Uh, and then I have a section in there about, it's called a new definition of discipline. And I love to riff on that, philosophize on that, where, you know, people might've heard this Jocko Willink quote, discipline is freedom. And I kind of riff on that and expand on, hey, discipline, the meaning of discipline is freedom is that when you have that type of structure and, and self-drive and uh, protection of your time, et cetera, then that's going to bring you results in the future. It's delayed gratification. But I go a step further and I say, well, traditionally we think about discipline as forcing yourself to do something or forcing yourself to not do something. And I invite people to go to a mindset of empathy for yourself and think, okay, if I choose to wake up early in the morning and do this creative project for 30 minutes, and instead of, you know, going on social media and, and scrolling, uh, you might say that like, that's harder and that takes discipline. But if you are in touch with your future self, you're like, oh, I'm really excited about this project. And if I do this every, every day for 30 minutes, then that's going to compound and accumulate. And I'm going to get all this creative fulfillment boomerang back to me in my life. And that's the freedom, right? That's the joy. And so you're doing it in the moment. You're saying, I'm going to do this and focus and do this hard thing because you love your future self, because you want the thing, because you're selfish. It's not, it's not something that you are, need to force yourself to do. And so there's a lot of themes in there. There's, I talk a lot about play in the book. There's a lot of themes in there. How do we get in touch with this intrinsic motivation and this sense of delight and desire to express your creative ambitions? I love that. I love that. That's a, that's a great way to, to look at it. It's like, care and concern for your future self, like be good to your future self. You will thank yourself later. It's such a great framework because it can feel like such a burden if you're always operating out of a, I shouldn't do this and I shouldn't do that. And I should like it, like you said, if discipline is sort of a, a list of shouldn'ts or if it's always, I got to do this for other people or because it's the good thing to do or because, you know, but I really don't want to. If you can align your genuine self-interest and understand it, then you don't, then you can, then you can do things. It's, it's easier because then you're doing it for you. If you, if you have that imagination to envision your future self, say, what's my future self going to thank me for? Let's, let's do this. Let's do this for him and get, and it gets you kind of excited. You know, you're investing in that, in that future self. And I think, you know, this book is a great example, right? My future self will be glad that I published a book. Let's just get that baby out the door. Even if I have things that, you know, make me want to stop or whatever. Um, yeah, I think it's such a great book. It's one of those books where, because so many, you know, each page is almost like, like really each chapter is like really short, sometimes even just a few sentences or a little poem. And they're all kind of like standalone concepts. It's a great coffee table book or on your end table. It's one of those, like, pick it up, read like, one little verse or one little chapter for that day and, you know, read another one another day. It's just, a, it's one of those great um, where you just need like a little, a little drip of something, something cool to get your mind in the right spot or to get you thinking. Um, so I love it. It's kind of like an, an aphorisms type of a type of a book. Um, let's, let's back up a little bit. I mean, I know, I know I've interviewed you before, but it was quite a while ago. Um, I'd love to just get a little background for people listening because you, you have a really interesting story. I mean, you were a, a professional musician and music teacher and you still love music and are still engaged in that, still perform and all, all those things. But you knew that you wanted career-wise, you didn't want to be teaching music for the rest of your career. You wanted to, to find something else. You're a really creative guy. But you didn't really know where, to, where that was going to lead you, what to do. You know, fast forward to today, you're 
you're the author of the daily job hunt. You run all of the content and growth at Crash, and you're literally, you're in the inboxes of 170,000 people every morning. About 20 to 25% of those are reading what you write every single morning. And you're writing all this kind of content around the mindset and stuff. You know, and like, did you imagine yourself doing something like this? And what was the process of going from, okay, I'm, I'm teaching music. I like music, but I, I want to do something else. Maybe I can get into startups or something to, to where you are today. Like, I, cause I think it's such a great example of like, you don't need to have a perfectly plotted path, but you just need to take some of those steps and make progress. So get, give, you know, give people listening or watching kind of a rundown of, of your background and what led up to where you are today. Yeah, totally. I mean, my story, there's, a, there's a, a, a crux of it is sort of interesting where he, I was working in the school system in various capacities. I'm trained, I was trained to become a, a teacher. I was certified after my college degree. Um, but I, as, a, as young as age 19, like while I was in college, I was philosophizing and, and activating my mind critically following my curiosity and asking what is my philosophy of education and pretty early on you know, I came across the work of John Taylor Gatto and then started listening really early on to the school sucks podcast back in 2009 at the same time that I was doing my student teaching experience <laughs> and it was pretty <laughs> ironic and I'm like walking into elementary school and high school while I'm, I'm consuming this information about the fundamental issues with compulsory schooling. And so this, this seed was planted and about my true philosophy of education. At the same time, I had all this momentum and ended up going and I, I wanted to, to become a band director and, and teach music for the music part of it. But then there's the, the system part of it I didn't like. So there was, there was a passion there. And then there was a, an anti-passion at the same time. Um, and so it was just sort of interesting, but I was prioritizing my music throughout my sort of early and mid twenties. And then I just kind of knew that uh, this passion for education was going to blossom at some point. And for many years, I was, I was listening to the school sucks podcast. It was like my main podcast and then found other podcasts Um as, as a result of that, as an outgrowth of that, and I came across your work, came across TK and Praxis and this whole mindset of creativity and, and criticized by creating and, and self-directed education and, and, and you know, actualizing that in the real world. And so I just kept following that and, you know, fast forward that, that ended up resulting in me pitching you to, to join the crash team a couple of years ago. And, um, but it's always been driven by that desire for education to, 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 to see the world become aligned with self-directed, self-directed education and to pursue your curiosity, pursue your interests. And ultimately I want to, I want these, these school systems become obsolete and I want the world to be following following their personal agency and their empowerment and their curiosity and et cetera. And so that's, that's an outgrowth. I mean, what I'm doing now at the, the daily job hunt is, is sharing those mindsets. And so that's, that's all sort of flowing in motion at the same time as I'm, I'm pursuing music on the side now. Um, but it's all, it's always been generated by, by inner passion for me. And then it was a matter of how do I build skills? How do I create value in tangible ways? Um, but it's always been, it's always been getting in touch with my, my inner gut about what is it that I want to do while I'm here on this planet? What impact can I make? And it was, it was, a, it was not the easiest journey because I, you know, I, had, I had the opportunity to become, I, I very well right now can be a professor of music. Like I have talent in music. I could be just a musician full on, but it was, it was an introspective process to, to get in touch with my true self and my my true possibilities for creativity and impact in the world and, and to actually change the world. That's, that's, that's what's kind of driven me. Yeah. It's so interesting. Uh, one thing that, especially people who are really interested in music or visual arts or anything sort of artistic, there's often this tension of like, okay, I love music. I mean, I mean, I'm like this. I love, I love music. I love 
playing guitar and keyboard and singing and writing songs and stuff. It's like, okay, is that, is that my passion? Should I make a career out of that? And it can go both directions. You can feel guilty in both directions. You can feel like, well, I love music, so I'm a sellout if I don't make a career in it. And it may not be the case that you, the way you express your love for music, in some cases, you actually don't want it to be tied with how you make a living. And, like, and that's what I realized for myself, that I actually don't want that. I think I will love music less if I have to try to make a career out of music, I don't think that's for me. And there are other people where it's the other way around. They're working in some job because they feel like having a music career is irresponsible, but deep down, they know that's what they want. I have a friend who was a really successful lawyer making a lot of money, but he'd always loved music. And he finally just quit his law job. And he's, you know, he's, he's a musician now. And it's hard being an independent professional musician. I mean, he's just playing gigs late nights, but he knew that that's what he really wanted. And I know other people who the other way around, they were in a band and, and making a, he can buy a living as a musician, but they realized I'm starting to hate music because it's connected with my need to make a living. I want to separate these two things and do music as a, put a recording studio in my house, do this as a, as a side hobby that's fun, earn my living elsewhere. And neither one of those is right or wrong, but coming to that conclusion, it's just interesting how you've kind of flipped. Music was what you were making your money with and your sort of creative and intellectual pursuits were a hobby. And now that's flipped around, right? Your creative and intellectual pursuits with this sort of mindset around job hunting, around your career, around your life, that's actually your bread and butter. And music is kind of your outlet on the side. So um, did, did you go through some sort of ups and downs and struggles? Like, but, I'm, but I'm, I can't quit on a music career. That would be giving up or selling out. Like, did you struggle with that at all? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I still have those voices, man. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, you, you most classical musicians are, I mean, most are just who make it as professionals. That's their life. It's like, you just live and breathe it. And as you run through your studies, it's just sort of like, that's the water in which you swim. Like you're going for it to be a musician, like as your identity. Um, and so I, I don't know, I'll have, you know, there's, there's, there were a lot of sirens that were singing at me. We'll just say, <laughs> and when you have that much momentum, career capital, um, network, like there's a lot I already had built. Um, the security of if I had gone to become a professor, you know, there's that at least illusion of security from that. But, uh, you know, especially there in my late 20s, there was a lot of just inner, inner introspection, listening to my gut and figuring out what's true to me. You know, I've been inspired by, and I'll talk about this sometimes in the daily job hunt, like, uh, even in, allude to it in this book, like the idea of getting in touch with your deathbed self and living a regret-free life. And there's a, a woman named Bronnie Ware who wrote this book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And she talks about, she worked on, in hospice for 30 years talking with people on their deathbeds. And she kind of observed and had these conversations and, and, and learned what people's most common regrets were. And one of the top regrets was, I wish I had the courage to, to live a life true to myself rather than one based on others' expectations. So that really has given me a lot of food for thought over the years. And it was, it, it's, it's been um, a, a constant pro process of, of self-knowledge and looking at what, who, who am I? Like, what's my authentic self? Am I, am I going to express that? Or am I going to take the sort of status and momentum that others might have expected of me in terms of becoming a musician, conductor, all this, I have all this talent in that, that area, people praising me, et cetera. And I could have just done that, but then I, and I would have gotten fulfillment out of it to some degree, but then this like inner fire, this inner bliss would have been suppressed, I think. So that was a definitely, it's, it's been a process of, of, of like committing to what is actually true to myself. Yeah. You know what? One thing I've always noticed about you, Joel, and this is really encouraging to me and to anybody listening is that you are utterly relentless so like what, you know, just as I've known you and, and even before I knew you well, and I just sort of knew you from afar, you, you are always making progress, but it's not because it's like, oh, like one day 
I had some massive windfall victory or I landed some big giant opportunity or I, you know, you get some of those, but it's like every day you're just chipping away. You're just always trying to improve a little bit. You're just always trying to be real and identify what do you actually want trying to get a little more clarity on what you actually want as that changes over time, right? Like in the future, you may go back to wanting to be a musician. And I know you're the type of guy, if that becomes true, you'll figure it out sooner or later because you're always examining yourself. And then you have the courage to just make those little steps towards that. Um, And I think that's just such a testament to like, just being relentless is so underrated. Like being relentless is so much more valuable than being super talented or having opportunities presented on a platter. It's, it really is. It really is. Um, and, you know, in that vein, you kind of downplayed a little bit in your story. You know, you were, you were working at the school and teaching, but you were really interested in absorbing all these ideas about education, about sort of, you know, being in charge of your own life, about alternative ways of learning and, and all this kind of stuff. But you weren't just absorbing those as a consumer. And I think this is where your story gets really interesting and is really instructive. So you, you ended up, and I don't even know how this came about, but some of the podcasts that you love listening to, even though you're working full-time doing your music thing, you ended up either for free or for pay, like editing those podcasts and helping them with some of their marketing stuff. Like, did you just go to them and say, oh, I like this podcast. How about I pitch this guy and let me help him out? How, how did that work out? Uh, you're talking about school sucks. Well, you were doing it for school sucks and weren't you doing some stuff for, um, Thaddeus Russell as well? No, not, not with that directly. Um, oh, but for some reason I thought, I thought you were, I did meet him when, cause he and Brett from, from school sucks did a collaboration. Okay. Okay. So you were um, doing stuff for the school sucks podcast. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I mean, Brett, uh, one day announced that he's looking for someone to do to do some work on his website slash like write blog articles or and i'm i'm just like yeah i'm I'm gonna do it like i've been listening to his show for the past eight years and uh consuming his content and applying it i mean it's definitely i mean this goes back to the book (laughs) like it the, the theme is like i as a strength of mine is that i listen to quality information and then i I integrate it and I apply it and I test it out rather than it being something that washes over me. So like with, with Brett's podcast, he's done these series on like self-esteem and organization, productivity, communication skills. And, and I would just listen and like, I'm going to do it. Um, and I mean, that sounds like such a small thing, but yeah, most people wouldn't, because you already had a full-time job doing other things and you're just a listener to the podcast, most people wouldn't even make the connection. I could do that. I could, I could apply to be that person, right? Like that's actually a big deal to say, yeah, yeah. Why not? I can pick it. Even though I'm a, I'm a professional music teacher and that seem seemingly, Oh, he's looking for somebody who's a professional podcast editor or whatever. You gave yourself permission to say, yeah, I can do that. Why not? I can do both. Yeah. I mean, it just comes back to this like relentlessness. I think it's like knock on people's doors and like, I want this. Uh, it's, it's been this, I mean, I don't know if that comes from, I mean, I've been reflecting on this, like how far back does it go? Like playing, playing second base when I was a kid, like, uh, just being fellow, fellow second baseman here. Oh, really? Yeah. Right on. Um, yeah, just, I never was that good at hitting. But I was like, I'm going to be the best fielder that anyone knows, you know? And I was just like, I'm going to learn the fundamentals. I'm going to, I'm going to freaking do it. Um, and I'm going, to ma- I'm going to master this. And yeah, I just kind of brought that. So, so yeah, Brett was looking for, for someone and I just wrote him an email and, and, and pitched him on, on being that person. And it was, he told me, you know, later that he was pretty clear that like I was the person like right away and that, and I started doing some writing for him and that's where I kind of built the writing muscle. I mean, I was, I, I, I started building when I did the, the blogging challenge, um, that I similarly, like you and TK are talking about daily blogging, listen to your podcast and on this very feed and I'm like, I'm going to do it. 
like, let's, 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 let's do this. Let's see if this can transform my life. And that really got me going. And then that built, gave me confidence to then go to Brett. Like, I want to write these articles for you. Hey, I, here, here, I did one for you without even you asking me to that permissionless mindset. And that got me going there. And yeah, just a matter of trusting that compounding effect of I'm going to continually invest in myself. And if I, if I go for this, expand my comfort zone, I, mem- I remember sending that email to Brett and feeling that like discomfort, like, oh man, I'm <laughs> going to send this to him. And then boom, it's, I press send. And then that just like ripples into the universe, like for the rest of your life, those types of moments. And if you do that, can, if you do that continually, it's just like, it, it's literally the, the eighth wonder of the world is that, is that compounding effect, right? Yeah. You know, um, it's easy in these kind of stories because we're highlighting some of these really cool things that happen because of your you know, persistence and, and willingness to pitch and things like that. But it's easy to feel like, well, you know, you just, Joel, you know, embodied these ideas and then everything just started to work. But it doesn't always land. It doesn't always land. And so there were a couple points, at least that I know of, where it didn't land. So one example, before, before we launched Crash and I was, you know, still, still running Praxis, you were in Charleston when I lived there for a, for a music thing. And, you're, and you looked me up because you'd been listening to the podcast and you knew what we were all about and thought it was cool. And you were like, I think you must have decided you want to you look for, or maybe you had decided you weren't quite sure if you wanted to get out of music and go into something else. But you're like, hey, I want to I go to coffee. I want to meet you in person. And um, you kind of had, had a calling card, right? You, you kind of had the proof of work, so to speak, that made me know it was worth my time. You're like, I work on the School Sucks podcast. I do editing for this guy. You know, and I'm like, oh, okay, I love that podcast. I know Brett. Obviously, if you're working with him, you're, you're somebody who's not a, just some random time waster. Um, and we met and we chatted and you were kind of like, I would love to come work for Praxis. And we might've had an open role at the time. I can't remember, but it was like, eh, I don't think you're really a fit for that. But like, you've got some skills that I like. I know your mindset is right. You like get the Praxis way of thinking. And there's a lot of value to that, but you're kind of in this other world of sort of teaching in the school system. I don't know. It's like, it's like, I liked you. But I just, your pitch was a little unclear because you weren't quite sure. You didn't know enough about the inside of the company to really know what we needed. And you, and like, I liked you, but there just wasn't really a there there. And I've, and I've had to learn over the years to, because anytime I see somebody who's got the mindset, I'm like, get them on the bus. Like that's a person that's valuable. But sometimes you can't force it. You got to kind of wait until there's a real clear, you know, opportunity for mutual value creation. That's, that's, that's obvious that, it, okay, I'm sure there's more upside, but at least from day one, I know that you can solve these very tangible problems, right? That's sort of like table stakes. Like, and we didn't quite have the table stakes. There was a lot of theoretical upside. There's a lot of ways that having Joel on board could be beneficial because he gets it and he's a smart guy and he's got a lot of skills that are sort of valuable to us. But there wasn't a real clear, like day one, he solves this pain point for us. And so it didn't really go anywhere. We kind of had the conversation, we talked, and I was like, yeah, you could try this project out, or maybe we could, you know, we, we sort of tried to find a fit, but there wasn't really a fit. Fast forward later, when Crash is launched, you're a Crash user, and you're, and you're like, you had decided at some point that you were going to try to go into sales roles at tech startups, that this was going to be your next chapter, you're going to do that instead of the music career, get out of the school system, and work in a startup. And you're making these phenomenal pitches and you're lining up interviews left and right. And for whatever reason, you weren't getting offers from those interviews. You had like, I don't know, six, seven or eight of them. And you were, and like, we brought you on the podcast to, to tell everybody how to run your job hunt. Cause you ran it perfectly. You researched, you identify good prospects. You put together great pitches. You won those interviews. And it was just like, oh, well, we don't want somebody remote. And if you can't move, eh, we, we, it's you and this other candidate, but they have sales experience, but we really like you. Everybody liked you, but it just wasn't happening. So like sometimes it doesn't land, right? And, but it was through that. And this is a couple of years, a year or two at least, where I'm like this Joel guy, he just keeps hanging around. I just keep seeing him. He's just, he's got something. He gets the mindset of pitching. He gets the mindset, you know, back when he pitched us at Praxis, we couldn't find a fit here. We didn't fully have a fit, but I'm like, you know what? Let's just get this guy on board because he can at least help our users pitch because he knows how to do it so well and it's so new for so many of them. So like, 
I know I just rambled for a long time and I told half of your story, but I, I observed this from the outside and was so impressed with it. Talk to me about those efforts that didn't land where you did reach out. Okay, you reach out to Brett and he says, sure, you're the guy to help me on my podcast. But what about the times when it didn't land? How did you, how did you deal with that? Did that beat you down? Well, yeah, that beat me down. That was a, so that meeting, let me just, let me just, let me just clarify what happened. Yeah, because so, my memory is not always the best. <laughs> well, no, it was also just like, here's my perspective on what happened. Um, like you, so I didn't actually have the intention to pitch you at that meeting. My intention was to learn about the practices and then take that information and then maybe down the line pitch you. Um, I didn't actually plan to reveal my cards that I was interested in working for you. But then you asked me, where do you want to be in five years? And I'm like, uh, in my mind, I'm like, hmm, I want to be honest, but I want to like play this right. But then like, I didn't know exactly how to, I didn't have the wherewithal and like the, the navigational skills in that moment to, to answer the way that I would have in, in retrospect. But I, so I just told you like, yeah, I want to work for Praxis. And then, and then, and I think you interpreted that as like, oh, so you want to work for Praxis right now. And, um, and for me, I'm like, no, nah, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, like I have a bigger vision here and I'm, I'm just starting and it's, it's, I'm not right. I'm not ripe yet. Like I wasn't ripe. I had the passion and I had the drive. Um, but I knew that I wasn't, I hadn't like balanced that out with like tangible, purposeful, um, value, value creation skills, um, to, to solve specific problems, um, for the company and kind of, as you mentioned. So, yeah, but to like, that just kind of that got, that petered out. It wasn't. It was. It was too early. Um, but I also was thinking about it as, you know, I took one one of your podcasts before a tilt. So, so you're you, telling me I came on too strong. I was too aggressive, huh? <laughs> you were too aggressive. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you want to work for practice? All right, show me what you got. And you're like, whoa, whoa, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what I was like in my head. But I was but I was trying to roll with it. Um, um, what was I saying? Sorry. You say you, you, uh, you were talking about me, which I never want to interrupt somebody when they're talking about me. You listen to one of my podcasts. Oh, forward tilt. You have a podcast. I think it's called, um, it's something about baby steps. Don't take small step babies. Don't take small steps. And this idea of when you're learning, when a baby's learning to walk, the baby doesn't tentatively take a step the baby takes a big step and falls down and that's going to produce the most um, ROI in the learning process. If you just fail unabashedly. And that was, that was literally what I had going in mind to even like emailing you to begin with. It's like, look, I want to do this and I don't know exactly how to do it, but I'm going to take a step. And I took a step and then like, oh, I fell down. <laughs> So that was like, it hurt. Like I bruised my knee, you know, but then I was like, well, that was the first step. Am I going to get back up? You know, and just took another step, got a little closer. And then, um, yeah, it all just came from that determination that I mentioned earlier. Just, I want, I want this. So I'll just keep on dialing it in every time I, I fail, I'll just keep getting, getting back up. Yeah. It's funny how in that initial thing, you kind of, you know, you kind of pitched me or maybe you were getting pre-pitching me and I took it as a pitch, but, and it was sort of like a, yeah, I don't know if there's anything here. Fast forward as you kept being persistent and you, and you kept, you kept sticking around. You were a part of, you were a part of the ecosystem that I was in, right? You were a part of the sort of careers and alternative education stuff. You were active. You would comment on stuff shared by Praxis or stuff that I shared. When Crash launched, you were part of the Crash ecosystem. You're utilizing it. And by per staying persistent and not just getting depressed or giving up or being like, being one of those people that's like, yeah, Isaac Morehouse talks about all this stuff, but I pitched him and he didn't hire me. He told me he's full of shit. He, you know what I mean? Like some people do that. They get bitter and they go and do that. Because you didn't do that, you just, you took, you were, took it. Okay. Isaac told me there's not really a place from here. I wasn't, I wasn't fully pitching him, but now I feel kind of embarrassed or whatever, but you hung around and you kept pursuing. We came to you. You didn't even pitch us at crash. I came to you and said, Hey, would you want to maybe work for crash? Cause like, 
your your pitches are incredible. You're doing a, you're doing an amazing job here. I don't know why you haven't gotten hired yet, but I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna take that all day. If somebody else doesn't see it, let's let's do it. Let's. And at the time, we didn't even have a role. I'm like, how about you keep working on pitching, and we'll pay you part time to do some of this stuff. And before long, we're like, we, okay, we got we need we need all of you. We got to have you on the team, you know. And then and little by little, you, and you were just doing whatever. And then it was like you, you came on to do sales basically, and we ended up abandoning the strategy that was doing that. But in the meantime, we had learned that you were pretty good at content. So then you start doing content. And then we launched this newsletter and first you're kind of helping to write it and then you're writing it and I'm sort of editing it. And then you're writing it and I'm just like glancing at it and basically green lighting everything. And then you just own the whole thing. And now you're like, like I said, now, now every morning, like 30,000 people read what you write to them about mindset and career um, and I just, I just think that's such a great story. That's such a great story that the person that you pitched unsuccessfully came back and pitched you and said, will you come and work for me later? Because they kept seeing you show your work and learn out loud and, and be persistent and be relentless. So, um, it's inspiring stuff. What's thanks, Ben. What, what, what's next for you? Do you think in terms of concrete, by one year from now or five years from now, I want this, or are you thinking more in terms of every day I want to move closer to X? What, what, what's, on your, what's on your radar? What are you working towards? Yeah, I, I, I like to lean more towards the present. Like I, like I have a blog post called 80% zoom, zoom in, 20% zoom out. I just talk about that balance between what's in front of you and, and your bigger bigger picture vision. So I do spend time like, creating those big picture visions. And then I like to just, okay, what's the next step? Let's work on what's in front of me and let's watch, let's watch results com compound. Let's watch reality, give me feedback and then gain, gain self-knowledge. Oh, I kind of like doing this, you know, you just have that bias for action. And then that informs that informs the next steps. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm really just digging deeper into my purpose and, stepping into a desire to have a, an incredible impact on this planet. Um, realizing, yeah, just realizing that I'm, you, you, you kind of, we, we grow up and we see these figures who have made, you know, historical impacts on the world, Steve Jobs, et cetera, Albert Einstein. And, and we were taught that these are like, geniuses that are special that are superheroes right and then school is basically implicitly telling us that we're ordinary and just go get your good grades and maybe you can have a decent income it's, it's, and it's just really tragic and i've just sort of been like as i as i've grown as i've become more creative as i've become more healed and alive and true to myself it's like well wait i'm just i'm a human like like those guys too why can't i be in incredibly impactful um so but more specifically, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in one thing that I'm, I'm testing out is, is working with people one-on-one -on -one, um, to, to work with them in, in a personal development context. In, um, like that's been a huge part of my journey is just personal growth and building self-esteem and healing childhood trauma. And I really feel passionate about like helping people integrate those parts of themselves that are they got, they got all that, that damage as, as children going through these, these coercive systems. Um, so I've been doing some facilitation work, uh, with, with some people kind of on the side, just, 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 just because I want to just for free, just, Hey, I would love to, to do this with you. And that's been really fulfilling. I feel really, it's like in my, it's, it's so true to myself. Um, so that's one thing I'm thinking about, like, I'm really, really passionate about parenting, even though I'm not a parent. Um, and want to like really bring the philosophy and psychology that I've integrated in that, in that domain and like bring that into the world. So I might be starting a podcast about that. We'll see. Oh, I thought you were going to say I might be starting a family. I was getting all excited. Oh, well <laughs> that's in the, that's, that's in the plan. It's not in the immediate works, however, but ladies, it's in the vision. Up. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, look, man, I can tell you right now, uh, you have already made a dent 
You have absolutely made a dent in the world already. Uh, I've watched it unfold in real time. Uh, I know you've changed lives. I see the emails that come back from the daily job hunt readers. I've seen, you know, like I know that when you have those days where it sucks, you can look back and say, man, I got some stuff to be proud of. I have, I have absolutely made my mark already and you're just getting started. You absolutely can't wait to see what's next. And if I may tease a little, you and I are, uh, we're working on something pretty cool. Uh, soon, soon. We're working on something pretty cool that uh, you guys can look forward to. Joel, besides, besides subscribing to the daily job hunt, which is your baby, which everybody should do. If you go to crash.co slash daily, it's free subscribe. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're not actually on the job hunt. Think of that as more of a, a mindset, a mentality, the daily opportunity hunt, the daily hunt for a fulfilling life and career. Um, that's really what it's all about. Um, besides that, where can people go? Twitter, website, yeah, go to joelbein.com, J-O-E-L-B-E-I-N.com. And my email address is there on the homepage. You can email me. I'd love to hear from you. And my Twitter is joel underscore bine. Um, but yeah, like don't be shy. Um, if you're listening to this and you want to connect, then be the person who, who uh, hears the invitation and then actually follows through and emails me. Will you be that person? I'd be really interested to connect with you if you are that per- person who says, yeah, I'm going to email Joel. Because most people don't do things. And this is, again, going back to the book. Most people are like, oh, yeah, I could do that. But then they don't, right? So, yep. like, email me, joelbine.com. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, go buy, the, go buy the book on Amazon. Joel, just get ready, man. Trust me. As a, as a self-published offer on Amazon, I can tell you, just get ready to sit by every month while those sweet, sweet royalties of a few dollars just keep rolling in. (laughs) (laughs) It's a ton of fun. (laughs) I don't even know. I don't even check it. (laughs) Sometimes I'll be like, ah, what's this? Oh, $12, $12 this month, honey. You want to, you want to go buy coffee with uh, my sweet book of royalties? The gift that keeps on giving. Hey man, keep up the great work. uh, As always. And uh, thanks, sir. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Isaac. Appreciate it. Appreciate you.